Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. Twelve oh nine. Jeff Wagner on vacation. He'll be back on Monday. I'm Scott Warris. She is Meg McKenzie. We'll be with you today, up until three and tomorrow as well. On a day that is hard for uh, for what we do. Obviously, there are people having a tougher day than us. Clearly, but this is not easy. This is uh, this is one of those moments where. Uh, you, you love being in, in radio, and you love the industry, and you like what we do, and I'm not really looking forward to today's show. I mean, I'll just be really candid and, and honest with you folks, and um, Meg, I appreciate you coming in and jumping on board as planned, And but this will be, um, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I, I've worked with some really smart people, and there are a lot of people who are a lot more creative with their words on the air than I probably will be between now and 3 o'clock. So just bear with us, I guess, is the best way. that, Or bear with me, anyway. Maybe you'll be more eloquent than I am when we tackle some of these issues. And I really don't know where we're going to go. We have some thoughts, some ideas as we wade through this. It's it's a line that you're walking. You never want to make a tragedy about yourself. You can't make the tragedy about yourself. The tragedy that unfolded yesterday is about the families, the spouses, the children that lost a parent, uh, the people who lost friends, the people who lost a son or a daughter. It is not about ourselves, but it's you always kind of look inward and you think about your own life and you think about your own family. And we heard it said quite a few times over the last 24 hours, when those people left their home that morning to go to work, no one could have known that that was the last time they were going to do that. So when that happens, it's only human nature then to look at yourself and think, well, it could happen in my life, you know? I mean, when Andy got, my husband Andy got home last night, he hugged me for over 60 seconds, you know? And we should be doing that every day, right. you know, as we were saying right. goodbye and things like that. That's the reminder here. But it's hard not, but, but there's the line. We are not the victims here. You know, our city is not even the victim here. The people whose lives were cut short yesterday, senselessly, they are the victims, their families, their loved ones are the ones that we need to be thinking about. This is an opportunity, and Steve did certainly some of it uh, during his program. I know he had some guests on, and again, I want to just echo what I said about 15 minutes ago during Crosstalk. Steve Scafidi. This was a day where Steve speaks from a place that none of us can. Right. And so I appreciate him opening up as he did and being brutally honest about some of the emotions that, that, that he feels on a day like this. And, and that's the best that we can do. So he, what, what, what we like to do is just we're just going to throw open the phone lines. We'll just do that. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. We, we come at it now from a very unique perspective of being nearly 24 hours removed. So I don't think the raw emotion is gone by any means. But there is a certain, I think, for people who are removed from the situation... There's a certain sense of perspective now, maybe that you're starting to gain on the situation as it unfolded yesterday. If you want to tell us how ticked off you are, if you want to tell us how mad you are, if you want to t- tell us just how devastated you are, if you know people who work at, I'm, I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to just call it Miller. I know it's Molson Core. I'm just going to just top of mind Miller. If you know people who work there 
or who work there. And that's one of the angles, too. And others have said it. But this is a company that is so iconic. That logo, that building, that plant, Miller, that that entire neighborhood, it's been there for 165 years. And there are so many different ties that people have to that company that it it really is a a multifaceted attack in so many ways on so many people because of the connections that people have to it. Right. You'll always be reminded of yesterday's events mm-hmm. when you see the logo, when you see the building. It will uh, like uh Steve was talking about every time he passes the Sikh Temple in Oak Creek, he can't help but relive moments of that day. For me it's mm-hmm. the Sheraton mm-hmm. in Brookfield. Remember mm-hmm. the Sheraton mm-hmm. and the Azana Spa as well. I live in New Berlin, so that um I, I can't look at those buildings and not think about the horrific events that happened there. Um, yeah, so so we'll just open it up. And, and Kyle, producing the program as always, um, you just react to what happened yesterday. There are a whole bunch of angles you can touch on, the emotions that you're feeling. As always, on a day like this, you know, I think we would just ask, be rational, be reasonable, be responsible with mm-hmm. your comments. I think one of the one of the avenues we can go down as well is is we don't know everything, and there is so much out there right now and a report of this and perhaps he was that and this. We don't know. We know very little, and we need to tread lightly on a lot of this. Some of it, much of it, maybe will be proven true in the days and weeks, months to come. But for the day after, I think it's just a matter of using this platform of radio and WTMJ being the biggest station in the state and and here in Milwaukee, obviously, just being a round table. Just talk through yesterday. Uh, if you can bring a perspective, where were you when you heard? You know, I was I was just leaving the station yesterday um, when um, we got a tip. And as I was walking out of the building, the TV people were... A lot, of, a lot of people running around. It's usually not a good thing when you walk through a newsroom or a news station and there are people literally yeah. in full sprint. Yeah. Uh, usually not a good thing. You were telling me before the show, though, the first tip you heard wasn't about Miller. No, no. The first tip we got into our newsroom, I was back in the office with Eric Bilstad, uh, was that Harley Davidson was on a lockdown or, or that there was an active shooter and Harley was on lockdown because Harley has a, a, a an office and a, a site right there right. in the Miller Valley. Area. So then you're thinking, okay, Harley. It, you know, it, it's a reminder of the fog of war, it, the phrase. Everybody loves that phrase. It, it's a reminder of just how much misinformation is out there crisscrossing all over the place. And it really is remarkable. So that you didn't, the, the staff didn't think something was happening at Harley, did, did you? I can't speak for the staff. I, I just, because I left shortly thereafter, but I, I, I think we got the sense maybe it was more at Miller, and but okay. Harley by proximity was shut down. So when you, well. when you first heard that it was a shooting, when you first heard the words active shooter, what, what thoughts crossed your mind? What was the first thing that came to the mind? The first thing that came to my mind was, oh, crap. I mean, just the, uh, you just, you feel. <gasps> Isn't and, that sad? And, but Well, and then it's, it wasn't shock. Isn't that something? Right, that's what I'm saying. That's so sad. It, it wasn't, no, this can't be happening. No, It no. wasn't disbelief. It was not, oh, disbelief. Look, disbelief 
at the reports of a, of a, of, a, of an active shooter. Disbelief. I, I don't know how many people have disbelief anymore. I don't, how could right, you? Right, right. My first thought was, it's happening again. Mm-hmm. You know, and then my next thought, I have a friend that works there. I worked for the Milwaukee Admiral for 10 years, and I worked, you know, got mm-hmm. to know him really, really well. And my first thought was him. So I immediately went to his social media channel. He was nowhere to be found there, and people were asking him on his social media, if you're okay, please let us know. So my first thought was, who do I know there, and are they okay? 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, Again, this is a show where we'll see where it goes, um, and we'll rely on many of you to kind of walk us and work us through the next couple of hours uh, because that's, again, what this forum and this station can do on a day like this when the city is impacted on a on a day that many of us, uh, certainly all of us, I would even go so far as to say, will not forget. If you're on the line, please hold on. The text line is open as well, 855-616-1620. It's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Meg McKenzie, Scott Warris, the Thursday after, the day after, that's another thing too, February 26, 2020, that'll be a date, that is a date. For sure. Hmm. Uh, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, just taking your calls, your reaction to yesterday, the emotions that you feel, the anger, the sadness, if you know somebody who works there, and for I'd say a fleeting moment, but for some people, several, several minutes, long chunks of time going, I haven't heard from so-and-so, are they okay? The number of people who work there it, it is another reason why it touches so many lives. Oh, I got a friend. I got a brother. I got a, my, my brother-in-law works there. My son, Isn't whatever. 1,400? Yeah. It's over 1,000. I mean, that's another reason for the other ones we mentioned why this touches so many people charlie and jackson we'll start with you hi charlie good afternoon hi how's it going today go ahead sir well i've got a i've got a friend that was in the building and i believe he was in close proximity to the shooting um yesterday thankfully he made it out okay and uh is now at home safe and sound with his friends and family and uh you know i'm just i'm just so distraught over the fact that this seems to be a routine occurrence in our country nowadays that that there is just something going on in this country that people continue to go out and handle their emotions or whatever it may be in this manner and i just feel like it's totally unacceptable but what can we do i mean at the end of the day you know what what can we do i don't know of any laws in place or in theory that could prevent something like this from happening I mean, how do you how do you stop that? Does it come down to, you know, even allowing employers to or having employers allow their employees to maintain their right to defend themselves while at work? I mean, I don't know. Well, I think I can I can relate to your feeling of being overwhelmed, Charlie, because the the solution is not one thing. The solution is multifaceted. There's going to be a lot of change that needs to happen on a lot of different levels for this to ever get better. You know, when you hear the term copycat, it's typically after an incident like this and then something else happens shortly thereafter. These are all copycats. You know, every time a tragedy like this happens, I think of Columbine, you know, and how it's just snowballed 
since oh, yes. Colin. Right. And I think at the root of it, at the root of it, Charlie, and argue with me if you don't see this, that we have to stop seeing it for it to stop. So if we can implement measures on multiple levels, obvious we're not going to get into the politics of this today. That's now was not the time nor the place to do that. But, you know, mental health and guns and all of that kind of stuff. You can't just fix one of those. You have to address no. many, many levels, right? I, I, I would agree. I would agree. But I, I also feel that I, I just I don't see a way of, of stopping a mental issue that 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 these people clearly have that that are under these circumstances. You know, there there are so many different circumstances that that have mm-hmm. you know that that we've seen and and different you know instances whether the person was maybe you know a little unhinged or whatever or if they had a bad day at work or or potentially got fired or whatever. I mean, there's just way too many different variables in play that you you know you're never going to be able to narrow it down to. You know, just one thing. If it were, I mean, we would all be guilty of some sort of, you know, some sort of craziness, I guess. To Let me ask you this, Charlie, how, I'm going to go back to the fact that you had a friend who was in or, or, or near the, the shooting yesterday. How long before you found out that uh, he or she was okay. safe? So he, he got out, um, and I believe the first thing that he did was uh, he went on Facebook um, just for the ease and, 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 and uh, you know, he went on Facebook and, and, and let everyone know that he was out and he was safe, you know. Charlie, um, it, was, it was pretty cool. Will you ever, and we'll let you go on this, will you ever drive past Miller, go through the Miller Valley, maybe even just see the Miller logo and not at some point have this memory? conjured up in your mind or be reminded of it again no i won't i I won't i won't ever forget it Uh, it will definitely be something that i see for the rest of my life but it will also remind me you know that that i have a right and i have a duty to to defend myself you know and and i think that's something that a lot of people should take out of it you know i think we should be fortunate that it was not worse than it was but at the same sense we do need to you know consider the fact that there are people at home right now that are missing their loved ones and then we'll never see them again and that's something that we need to find a way to 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 prevent thank you charlie i appreciate your perspective and to borrow a sentiment that i heard earlier this morning on steve's graffiti show we can do this you know this is not insurmountable do what we've put a man on the moon you know (laughs) because i think that people think well we can't do anything can't do anything about it that's not true we've done a lot of things you know and this is not insurmountable. We can we can fix this. 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Don in East Troy. We'll get to you in just a moment. The text line open as well. And open lines. We're just going to talk about this for a while here this afternoon. As long as you want to talk about it, we'll talk through it as we roll through the day after um, this tragedy. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're just a moment away from news. Don in East Troy, hang on through the news because I want to talk to you. Um, Don uh, knew one of the people who were killed uh, yesterday, and I want to have a little time to talk with Don, so we'll hold him over until the news. Um, you know, the the comment was made by the last caller, Meg, that you know when, when I heard there was only 
in the end, only five killed. Just that phrase alone, yeah, and it makes you cringe, but well, Charlie, I'm willing to Charlie believe... Put it, Charlie put it differently. He right. said we were fortunate that it wasn't more. Right. But And yet, I'm willing to bet, because of the new reality in which we live, to hear that, well, five died, as opposed to more. There was some semblance of relief, and certainly there was could have been a lot more loss of life. It's just, it, it, it's so remarkable how terminology and, and thoughts and whatnot have changed. You mentioned Columbine as kind kind of being like a line of demarcation. What was that ninety eight? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. April of ninety nine. Um that that it, we we really do live in a pre Columbine, post Columbine. That's the way society. I see it. Yeah. Do you see it that way too? I see yeah. as Columbine was the start of this. And when I was talking earlier about copycats, it's and Charlie was mentioning, too, that we have to do something about these people who uh, can't deal with their emotions, and then they do something. Mm-hmm. Each of these cases, you know, if they were all different, if one person, forgive me for being a bit graphic here, was setting fires, or, or another person was, you know, crashing cars, or another person was, they're all copying the same method at the heart of it, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to, you know, address it on many levels, and now I'm not just... Saying one issue needs to be fixed. A lot of issues need to be fixed, but there is a pattern. There is something disgustingly sad pattern. People who resort to these acts of violence, however, and and whatever gets them to the point of this incredible step. The idea that oh, that's an option, right? Speaks to your copycat. I I don't know if they're if they're if they're truly going. Because copycat, I think people think more, I'm going to do everything just the way they did it. it but it's it's an option now, as as, as callous and as, as cold as that sounds. It's for, the go-to. Yes. In, 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 in people's minds. Right. Oh. Right. This for, is for what I do. For people's minds who go there, yeah. that's an option. Yeah. This drastic, remarkable, deadly, evil, horrendous step, it's an option. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Mitch from Sturgeon Bay, one of our loyal listeners and loyal texters. On a day like this, he says, emotional responses are necessary, but not a good place from where to seek solutions. There's something to that. There there really is. Uh, We need clear heads considering multiple aspects of violence to combat these repeated tragedies. To our leaders, please drop the political posturing and and uh, on on a day like this. And and there is something to be said for that. But but on the other hand, I debate myself and debate with Mitch. You do want a clear head if you're going to be setting policy and laws, but you don't want to be so far removed from the emotion. Because emotion and those ties do deserve to have a say in it. I will agree with you there. I will tough. agree Man, with you there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This is hard. This is, this is not easy for anyone. Um, okay. He was patient over the break. Don really and, patient. Really Don. patient. Don and East Troy, thank you. <laughs> Hi, Don. Hi. I, I worked with one of the guys in the early 80s, and my daughter was murdered in 2000 in Virginia. And, uh, you know, I, I know what these people are feeling. I, the, the families and the, the relatives and friends, I, we went through that. 
my my family did, and we, you know, our heart goes out to those people. Don, Don can you offer any? Yeah. Can you offer any advice? You've been through it. Well, the the first thing those people are going to hear is, uh, how do you feel about guns now? And it wasn't the gun, the gun's fault. That gun can lay there for a hundred thousand years and never hurt anybody until the right maniac. So Don, Sorry. You, you don't know. You're fine. So Don, so you said you knew one of the people who were killed yesterday? Yeah, I worked with him in the early eighties. Mm. Will you, Don, ever ever think of Miller or drive past Miller or, you know, see something with that iconic logo, uh, and 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 see it the same way ever again after yesterday? No, you you'll always think about it. You you know, you'll you'll always think about it, even when you're not driving past Miller. Mm-hmm. You you never forget something like that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call, Don. I appreciate that perspective. Um, yeah, it it, and you know, Don alluded to losing his own daughter. Uh, and those families that that that's well, life changing is an understatement. But that I that's can't even the, imagine uh, where they're at right now. I I you know. The stages of grief. I mean, they've probably gone through all of them and back again at this point, and we're only 24 hours removed from it. 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, one of the things that strikes me, and I alluded to it before, um, the desensitized nature of society to these things. And, And this obviously breaks through our own our own senses because of how close it is because of all the ties that we've already discussed but yeah so i'm going around on the on the national networks and, and there was not wall to wall i mean it was wall to wall picket coronavirus uh, presidential debate whatever the case may be which, which tells you something in and of itself yes i, I mean how, how many years ago do you think it would have been that name your favorite cable network and they would have been wall to wall with right. this even during a political season like this one. Not that long ago. Right. There is a huge case to be made that we are completely desensitized to this. And I think you were talking about uh, Sikh Temple and this and how much more impactful the Sikh Temple shooting seemed to have on our community. And that was 2012, you know. And so then fast forward, how many mass shootings have happened since then? Sadly, it's human nature to get desensitized, and that's our horrific reality for us right now, that we're desensitized to people dying. The Sikh temple point, and I'm just speaking for myself here. I don't want to blanket anybody or the society or Milwaukee or whatever, but there was, I will just say the shock factor. The shock factor, I was just thinking back on on horrific tragedies like this in our backyard. So you clearly think of Sikh, you think of Sheraton, you think of Azana. Now you think of Miller, and there are others, and I unfortunately more. But I, I just the most stark comparison, sadly, to yesterday is Sikh Temple. I, I think for me personally, um, and the shock, just the raw shock value was not there for me yesterday as it was in 2012. And, and I attribute it 
primarily, if not solely, to just being desensitized to these things, even when it's in our own backyard. Even then, even then, I, I just, like, like we said at the top, it wasn't a disbelief. Right. I'm sorry. Right. It, 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 it was, oh, crap. This is this it's is happening probably again. happening. This is probably a legit tip. This is probably a, a, a legit story unfolding, and I believe it. And how many people this time? How no. many victims this time? Is yeah, the kind of thinking. I think with the Sikh temple too. And correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. We the community was engaged while that was still happening too. So it, there's almost more raw emotion attached to it. And maybe I'm speaking from my own perspective because I'm embarrassed to tell you I didn't know about this until about two hours after. I wasn't, on, I wasn't listening to the news. I wasn't watching TV. I didn't have my computer or my phone near me. And it wasn't until my husband told me that mm-hmm. it happened about 4.30. You know? And so it, it was done and over with by the time I knew about it. Whereas the Sikh temple, it, it was just... There were still questions, and is it over yet? And and um, I don't know. So there was there was more raw rawness to that, I think, than mm-hmm. than particular. But bottom line is, because it keeps happening each time it happens, we are less sensitive to it. Yeah. You become a little bit more numb yes. to it. Yes. With each thing, whether you try, whether you're, whether you're, I don't want to say whether whether you're trying to do it or not, but whether you're conscious of it or not it is happening to us yeah isn't that sad and and yeah and you know what if this happens in five years god forbid we will feel i will speculate i would assume we will feel again the further removed you are from the situation clearly we will feel a little bit more numb in five years than we were on february 26th of 2020 with, again, the caveat being the closer you are right. to the victims, right. you clearly feel and experience this on a completely, totally different level. Daryl and Tom, hang on. We'll come to you in a moment. Open lines at 855-616-1620. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Scott Warris, Meg McKenzie with you on this Thursday. We're getting some information now um, as to the shooter. Uh, the Journal Sentinel has posted his name and his photo. We'll get into that as well. Um, this is gonna. This could take some twists and turns in the weeks and months to come. And um, all right, we promised we'd go back to the phones. Let's. Let's fulfill the promise. Daryl in Milwaukee. Hi, Daryl. You're on WTMJ. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, we're, my take on this is we don't know why he was terminated, foreseeably, but I guess the way I have to look at it, do our HR departments have to start looking at, prior to termination, what could we do to help this employee rather than terminate him? Um or do we? Well, have I, I gotta, Daryl, 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 I, I gotta cut you off because um, he he wasn't terminated. That was one of those things okay. that came out early, and it was a mistake. And it was a mistake. Okay. So, but 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 he but, was an employee. Just but go ahead. Okay, he was an employee, but you know he actually 
evidently had an axe to grind right. with the company or employees, you know, and did the HR department drop the ball in, in this case to, you know, looking at what is this an employee that we have to take and do something with immediately to um, prevent this from happening? Yeah, or, you know, right. And, and I think I'm trying to think, uh, think of it from the human resource perspective. A lot of times your your hands are tied until somebody files a complaint, right? I mean, there's got to be something. I, and we don't. And so, again, I don't know anything about the guy's track record, his work record, or anything. We, we don't know any of that. Right. It'll probably come out. You know. So we just have to pump the brakes on all that kind of stuff. But the larger point you're making is that if there is a problem in the workplace, an employee has has issues as a problem with colleagues, whatever the case may be, the role that the company and HR can play to mediate, to you know, broker some sort of peace, as it were, uh, th- th- there is a place for that, but that that can be difficult as well. It, it's you start getting into the, the the HR realm, and that's not. And then it's sort of easy. it can cross over into uh, they're not mental health experts, you know, so they can't take responsibility for where someone is in their headspace. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I guess the way way I look at it, you know, did this, you know, as they pointed out, he was terminated, um, which evidently he was not. Um, now, from what you're saying, you know, did he go home and saying, okay, you know, you ruined my life, you know, I'm going to go and ruin somebody yeah, else's, you know, I mean. We'll that, find out. All that where, stuff, you're right, all that stuff will come out. Thanks for the call, Daryl. And, um, yeah, I just... As you can tell, I, I just I'm very uneasy about <laughs> drawing conclusions or or you know hard and fast facts which are anything but which was remarkable yesterday the reporting the misreporting the how there, there were a, a few instances several instances of whether it was the casualty the fatality count which ultimately was 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 skewed to start and it. But we, was we, that we a case of, that well. yeah, I mean, that might have been a scanner mistake, too, not necessarily a reporting mis- I mean, reporters report what they hear on scanners. So if there was an error made on the scanner, you can understand how a reporter might erroneously report something. All I know is moving forward as consumers of news, when stories are breaking and radio stations, TV stations are, are doing what they can to provide you the information. I know that, you know, Mercure and, and everybody on, on Wisconsin Afternoon News was great about saying, look, this is a report. This has not been verified. And so just like, you know, here at the radio station, we have a responsibility to you, you can't you, you can you have to be careful with the information yes. you disseminate in the moment as the provider of news. But to the public, to us. As consumers of what we do, as consumers of the news, please, please, well, even when you're listening to the radio, even when you're watching television and when you're on social media, take everything with a grain of salt. Just You, you can't. You have, to, you have to fight the urge to assume that what you hear initially is true. It may be proven true. It, that might be the case. But if, if we're learning and taking anything as consumers of news, pump the brakes don't assume what you're hearing right away is is verified fact. Uh, I'm going to kind of disagree with you there. I think it, the restraint is on the, the onus of restraint is on the reporter. 
or the anchor. You cannot say things like, this is unconfirmed, but, because when people hear it, they report it to everyone else they know. You can't say the words, this is unconfirmed, but. Someone may be coming in late to the story. Someone might not have heard that part of the story. And it's only human nature that when you hear something, you take it as fact, particularly if you're watching the news. So I agree with you that you need to be careful and you need to filter the information that you're taking in. However, (laughs) the first line of defense against misinformation is the media. She's Meg. I'm Scott. More in a moment on WTMJ. Let's get quickly to the phones here. Uh, Tom in New Berlin, thanks for holding. Go ahead, Tommy. Hello. Hi, Tom. Um, hi. Um, are you still there? Oh, okay. Well, I wanted to talk. Um, I could talk about this from a number of aspects. Um, number one, um, I had a homicide. We had, had a homicide in our family a number of years ago. I was very close to the family, so I'm familiar with with that as far as going through that. How it affects different people. And you have, like, a recommendation on that. And then secondly, um, separate from that, I lived four, uh, two houses away from the man that committed the largest mass murder in Wisconsin, Cherry Ratzman, that's a Sheraton. Mm-hmm. And so I knew him. I wasn't friends with him, but I knew him, living next door for 13 years. Oh, wow. And, um, and then thirdly, I have done, because I have an interest in different things, I've done research on um, gun control and this is an American problem, thirdly. The, we are only 4% of the world's population, and yet since um, between 1966 and 2012, 31% of the mass shootings have been in the United States. So that's one-third. And 62% of the school workplace shootings between 1966 and 2012 have been in the United States. And if you go back to the population... It's only 4%. It's very tiny. And we have, um, along with that, we have uh, 42%, so it's almost half, of the non-military guns in the world. And, again, we're not even 5% if you look at a pie chart. Yeah. Um, so, well, I, I, th- I think, Tom, I mean, the point you bring like up. The third I, thing I wanted to bring up. Well, Tom, unfortunately, I, I, Tom, Tom, I, I well, appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, no, but, but I we're we're kind of up okay, against the news but, here. So I just want to ask you this Tom though, but from from living as close to the to um the 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 Sheridan shooter as you did, was there anything that tipped you off along the way that because we're learning maybe more about the suspect yesterday, anything that that tipped you off? No. And what I can say is that as far as mental health goes, um he was not seeing anyone as far as mental health goes, he wasn't going for counseling. He wasn't on any drugs or anything like that. I mean, to narrow, to find somebody like that, I mean, first of all, the studies have shown that the vast majority of people that do are having mental health problems are um, not dangerous. So they have less of a criminal record than people that don't have mental health problems. So, but to find someone like him when he's not even seeking mental health treatment or anything like that, and no, there, he was a loner and he was quiet. He was a computer person. Um, he lived with his mom and his sister, and he was 45 years old or 40, early 40s. Um, to go and to, to say that this is just mental health, yeah, there's something wrong with somebody to go in and do something like that, but there's also people that are just very violent and cruel and mean, too. And, I mean, to, 
to, to go about it that way. But I also did want to say, because we do have a homicide in our family, a recommendation of how to deal with it. And I, on, on that level, on a separate issue, because you know, that's, that's a homicide that we dealt with separate from Terry Ratzman. And I really think the biggest thing is, I mean, first of all, like people are talking about the person, they're not going to come home that night. Well, that's not really what we're thinking. I mean, everyone's different, but I'm thinking they're not going to come home ever. No more Christmases or weddings or anything. But So that's one thing. It's just kind of a state of shock, and everyone deals differently. But depending on the person, some people are very angry, and other people are just very sad. They won't see the person. The emotions are all across the board. But my biggest recommendation is to, you know, we're all human, so you're going to be angry when you love somebody and they're the victim of a homicide. But to believe that you're going to forgive. And I said that right away, and you have to have that mindset ahead of time. And people take that definition many times incorrectly. If you look what what the definition is, it doesn't mean you're going to be best friends with that right. person, but, but you're not going to have resentment. Because it's actually a gift to yourself, and it takes time. It, it was my wife's mother that was killed. Mm. And she said that my saying that really helped her with time. Because... If you, it's a gift to yourself to forgive somebody because if you forgive, then you're taking that burden of hate off of your shoulders. If you don't have that resentment. So, I mean, like right now is the day after weeks, months, of course, you're going to be angry or, or be very sad and have emotions and it's expected. But as time goes on, if you just keep on having this resentment and anger, and that's a forgiveness to let go of that resentment, then you as a person are going to be healing faster and feel better as a person. And it doesn't do anyone else good that you're going to be with in your life to be angry and have this resentment for you to be unhappy, et cetera. You're spot on. So, I mean, so to have that philosophy and someone can say, you know, to have the mind, I said right away, and my, my, um, the person's victim's mother was still alive and she was going to become a nun. And she said that, um, I said right away, you have to forgive. And she, she said, yeah, that I was right. So, um, you don't do it right away, but with time, it does help as far as that goes. Yeah, forgiveness is, Thank you, Tom. is for ourselves. Appreciate that. that. Right. Speaks from a perspective that a lot of people don't know, and unfortunately after yesterday, there's uh, several families that uh, know that all too well. We'll continue after the news on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ Scott Warris. 111. With Meg McKenzie, yes, I am Scott. Jeff is back on Monday, talking and walking our way through what happened yesterday, about 23 hours or so since uh, that tragedy. And just kind of navigating some thoughts. It, it really is, um, I'll admit, to pull the curtain back a little bit, usually we are, are are pretty well kind of thought out and topics and let's go here and and, and, and examine that angle and we can offer this question to the audience. But in, in, you know, in, in full disclosure here, my show prep today, and I'm, I'm showing you the computer screen, I just have an email to myself with maybe about, 12 or 13 just random little bullet points just kind of thoughts and you have an email to yourself yeah it's might in my dra- have been useful to share that with me it's in my what, what, what it's, it's in my drafts it's in my drafts but i do, I do that too i email myself all the that time. is what today is and um we'll see where we go we may stay on this for until three o'clock we may move on 
you know, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can talk about, but and this now, is different. N- now might not be the time, but let me ask you, is, mm-hmm. could I give a perspective on mental health at some point? I know now probably isn't the time, but I do have my own perspective because my own personal experiences on mental health, because there might be an aspect of this, and there certainly is an aspect of mental health when it comes to a lot of shootings similar to this. But Absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, before that, though, Mike's, Mike's been waiting a long time. Hi, Mike. Go ahead, bud. Oh, hey. Uh, thank you. No problem at all. And I appreciate you giving that last caller a little more time too. That was really respectful, and um, it was a good call. And I wanted to share a couple of things at the start. I'm in Chicago, um, listening. But uh, my sister, our younger sister, works at Miller or Molson, Molson Coors, and she's there and. She was part of the lockdown. She was in the next building next to them. So she was oh, on the nice. floor, the tactical squad. I mean, she was sobbing all last night. We went down to see her. My wife's with her today. So this is touching a lot of people. And they were just part of this experience because they didn't know for three hours what was going to happen. And then, uh, But I got to say, the, the people at the company, the security, the police, they did a great job, and everybody knows that. But um, this touched home because now all of a sudden we had text messages and that with our family saying not another tragedy because another sister I have was killed in Milwaukee seven years ago to this month. So seven years ago, I lost my sister to a shooter. And so um, it brings back those memories. We were that typical family, like a lot of your audience, where you hear about it, you read about it, it's in the paper, but it's never your family. Right. But all of a sudden, it's like this is happening more. And, I do, and when, we, when we're done here, I'm going to listen about your mental health um, opinion because I think this, that's a big part of this whole thing that has to still continue and not be brushed aside. My fear in the last caller, as professional as it was, he was leaning a little bit to get into a gun data thing with guns. And I want to say that seven years ago, when the media was calling us, we had a lot of misreporting by the media, um, you know, at my sister's house and the whole thing. Uh, We were trying to clear things up because they were so wrong on what they were reporting. But I sat down with them, and they wanted to really get into more gun rights and gun laws, and it was really spinning itself to guns. And it was going away from the reality of what's really good and evil in this world. And I think because people aren't really prepared to have a long, lengthy talk show like this or debate for weeks about good and evil. And also when it comes to, um, I mean, so it's for guns and all that, when you get all those calls about guns, it could be a lot of different weapons used for killing someone a lot of different ways. I want to get the gun thing pushed to the side and just say that, when you work in a company, you, me, or anybody else, and you notice people that have a problem or aren't getting along, I think all these companies, and the larger they are, and I work for a very large company, they give you funding every year for all these things you do for training your employees and collaboration, but they don't give you a lot of training to go and intercept two employees, to pull them in a room, and help them iron out a personal issue. Nobody spends time doing that, and I think we're feeling the pressure and the pain of spending money on programs that are just wasting money versus just getting with people. Because even a manager over that employee maybe would have detected that that person has some serious problems that are way beyond their work relationship, and let's get this person some help. And I'm not defending the shooter, but I'm saying if, if we really want to talk about this topic long enough and get really deep into it, you cannot avoid the discussions of good and evil. It has to come out. And I also think you have to discuss the mental health, which I'm going to hang up and listen to you. And, but this is a tragedy that just repeated itself. And yesterday we couldn't even, we were numb for, from 2 o'clock, 2.30 when the reporting started till 
My sister was funny. She was so shook up. They drove her home from work. She lost her keys under her desk in the building because the tactical squad, as she was walking out, didn't know she was still there. And they, they had to hit the ground with her arms up, <gasps> freeze, because they didn't know if she was a shooter. So it was that serious. So she's, she's just freaked out. But she's a survivor. But these families, my heart goes out to all the families. May God be with them. May their lives be for fruitful things in the future. And may we have understanding and peace. That's all I wanted to share. Oh, Mike. <laughs> Okay, there, he, Thank you, Mike. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. One of the things he brings up is a great point that the impact that this has had on those who work in that building, who work there, like his, uh, you know, the the person he, the, the family member, the friend that he referenced, his who, sister, his sister who who works there, who went through the lockdown. And then found herself with oh, her hands geez. up because in you know the, the 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 law enforcement the SWAT team and all that as they're converging on the they don't know who is doing what and taking every precaution necessary. The trauma on those people, on, 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 I say the survivors, but those who experienced it on site, they'll have that for the rest of their lives. Right. They will. I, they'll wake up in a cold sweat. 17 years from now because they'll have a flashback to hearing those those gunshots being told to huddle in a corner in a closet whatever the case may be they will live with that tragedy as we talk about all the different people living with this moving forward on different levels um it's kind of like an earthquake you have the epicenter and then you have the different rings that that fan out mm-hmm, from that mm-hmm. and obviously the closer you the families that's a good analogy and, and the friends of those who lost their lives the stronger are, at, it is. are at the center of that uh that the, the epicenter and then you fan out one one revolution and it's it's maybe the employees who were there on site heard it saw saw the bodies heard the sounds they are forever impacted by it and you move out another ring and another ring and another ring and the further removed you are you're still impacted although not as strongly as those in the epicenter but i think of the people who experience that and are going to have that for the rest uh, for the rest of their lives i would strongly urge strongly urge anyone to seek support to get even if you think you might be okay you're not your your support might be a family member or a friend but your support system might need to include a professional or you know something at a higher level it sounds like mike's sister has already dealt with some trauma losing her sister um to a Mm. traumatic event as well and now she has this on top of that and other employees that were there we've heard some being interviewed by news outlets here that saw things that they never imagined seeing in their lives urge you get mm-hmm. support get help um I, I'll, I'll let you share your thoughts on the mental health aspect of this because I, I i think in every mass shooting there is a mental health aspect because to say that somebody i believe is of their right mind has all their faculties about them and would resort to something like this I can't say that you you can put those two together. At some point along the way, from a mental health standpoint, something is wrong if you're going to resort to steps and tragedies like this. He also made the point about good versus evil. And there's a sad reality we need to face when it comes to that as well. We'll continue in a moment. She's Meg. I'm Scott. In for Jeff on WTMJ.
Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm going to read some of these texts. Uh, we've been caller heavy, and the phones are always open at 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, a side sidebar here, I appreciate I know you too, Mike. All these, all of you have called so far, shared some pretty, pretty personal stories of, in some cases, your own tragedies, losing loved ones suddenly, some by homicide even. Uh, and those of you who know somebody or knew people involved in what happened yesterday, including that one guy who said, I knew one of the people who was killed, um, that is appreciated. Very much so. I can imagine that people listening right now, some of them are closer to that epicenter that, Scott, you were just talking about, closer to the actual events yesterday. And I can just imagine how much they appreciate hearing advice and, you know, just uh, perspective from people who have been close to something very similar to this. So that last call was it Mike? Was it Mike? I'm, I'm so from Chicago. Bad at, I'm so bad at remembering Mike names. Mike from Chicago. Yeah. So shortly ha- after they called. Yeah, he has been through a lot. Mike in Chicago. He brought up the reality of good versus evil, and go down a religious path here. And but I think wherever you are in a religious continuum, there is good and there is evil in the world. There is good and there is evil in each one of us. And the sad reality. The sad reality is that when there is evil in the world, and like you say, in all of us to some degree, there will always be tragedies. We can do nothing to completely, totally eradicate things like yesterday, because as long as there is evil, there will be evil people. And there will always be some degree of tragedy like that. Now, true. We Let talk- me just say, though, Scott, that's no excuse, though, to put our hands up no, and not- say we can't do anything, right? Correct. No, okay. absolutely. I, I say that that does not mean that we just go, oh, well, you know, evil strikes again. Uh, da, 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 let's right. go on with our okay. day. That does not mean that you do not try to do all you can and all we can as a society to stem the tide of the acts of evil. Um, but it is a reality. And all we can do is try to enact whatever policy societal norms that can somehow contain that evil and and try to keep it from spreading and and manifesting it its way into tragedies like yesterday but i and but i always in the back of my mind i go unfortunately you're never gonna you're never gonna eradicate evil from the face of the earth true sad but true yeah i don't disagree with you there Let's um, and you've got the text screen up over there as well. Uh, let's go through some of these texts because some of you and and just as some of you have been very effusive and um, been able to contribute on the phones, some of you have uh, found it easier to do so on the text line. Uh, Lou in West Dallas writes, uh, "We can never, we can never solve this. It has to be I can solve this. It has to start with self awareness. We have to remind people that if you feel like lashing out at others, you need help." We have to remind people that others around you have valuable lives. 
Uh, what you do to them will ripple to many others. I look around the city and I see people driving, you know, like nuts and tailgating others in their cars without realizing who may be driving in front of them, not holding doors for the elderly. Uh, generally disrespect for strangers. That must change. Again, speaking to the just how do we view fellow human beings. And Lou admits, I have sadly become numb to events like yesterday. Uh, people must stop thinking the world revolves around themselves. Uh, if this life is not working for you, change your careers, change your cities, get help. Just respect others. There, there's certainly a love for your fellow man, as it were, and that's Lou and West Alice. Uh, one more here, and then we'll, we'll uh, hit the break. Uh, a 414 texter. Um, I don't think individuals want to have the real conversation. When we keep changing the moral code to make individuals or certain people happy, then we shift the whole thing. Everyone does have a free will, but, and again, in invoking God, commands us to live in peace and love one another, but we in ourselves are not capable of doing this with our own power. Uh, we can only accomplish this with God and his help. This is the conversation we are not willing to have, and until then, um, you know, the, we'll, we'll continue to spin without traction. And there is something to be said for, and that's another tentacle to the conversation the 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 role of religion in lives i mean i think some people go oh no you're going to talk about god and religion but that is one of the i think one of the many storylines that we can take and 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 incorporate into a conversation i don't think we have time to today because that's a lengthy one <laughs> that's a that's a that, that that is but um uh i want you to we'll get into mental health uh, let's take that after the break. Yeah, and then I was we'll talking news and, about that earlier. And yeah. I just want to talk about, from my own perspective, one f um, type of mental health that we don't often talk about that I believe could be playing a role in shootings like we saw yesterday. Transform your home with the experts at Lumber Liquidators Flooring. Whether you want a waterproof final floor for the kids' playroom or a beautiful hardwood floor for the dining room, the experts at Lumber Liquidators will help you find the right floor for your space. This week, save a dollar per square foot on all Bellawood hardwood or save up to 15% on waterproof vinyl plank. And get it sooner with special financing. These are the floors homes are built on. Visit LLFlooring.com today. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Continuing to take your calls and texts at 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, let's get into the mental health, I guess, role in this or in general, the, the role that mental health and mental illness plays in, well, like I said before, in my opinion, in every one of these tragedies to some degree or another. I want to stress that this is not in reference to what happened yesterday. We have no idea what contributed to, at this point, what contributed to the events that took place at Miller. However, and I'm going to get incredibly vulnerable here because this is not something I normally talk about ever, and uh, I'm going to get hopefully not too confusing because it's a bit deep, but when we think of mental health, What's the first thing that comes to mind? Think I say the word mental health, Scott. Give me a word. Well, there are certain stigmas attached to it. Okay. You're but just... you think of depression. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Somebody yeah. who keeps to themselves. Just Yeah, exactly. Depression yep. is oftentimes what we think of. Uh, and we think about someone who might be suicidal, right? I'm going to explain from my own perspective, su s s sort of suicidal. Okay. 
I mean, try and do this in a, in a way that's understanding. So you think of someone who is depressed for a long time and eventually they just cannot find the tools to cope anymore and they take their own life, right? Okay, so when you hear of someone who lost their life to suicide, you probably think that they were depressed. Mm -hmm. Do you know what manic depression is? For the term. Okay, how would you describe manic depression? Aha, you're making my point here. It's very misunderstood. I just, I guess I just, I hear depression and I lump everything in terms of, oh, they're depressed. Even if it's manic depression, I just. But what's the manic part of it? Do you understand what that is? Okay, I'll plead ignorance. You, okay. I will plead ignorance. Okay, then you're... Full actually, disclosure. And Scott doesn't know what I was going to talk about. No, so I have no idea proving, where we're going. You're proving my point. You're proving my point. So manic depression isn't something that people um, outside of uh, their families understand if they don't aren't touched by it personally. One aspect, I'm only going to talk about one aspect of manic depression. Manic depression can be you go, you're, you're very, very happy, and then you get very, very low. And you get very, very happy, and you get very, very low. So the I, emotions and the moods swing like a pendulum. Yes. And so you might, you might think of someone who's manic depressive as um, super excitable and super happy, but then they've got a temper or they get depressed for no reason, right? What people who have no experience with manic depression might not know is one aspect of manic depression can be impulse, okay? If I touch a stove, my immediate reaction is to yank my hand away, right? Because I touched a hot stove. That is an impulse, okay? It's not something that's easily controlled because your body just does it, okay? Sometimes, and here's where I'm gonna get deep here, a suicide is the result of an impulse. It is actually not the result of a lengthy bout of depression. It can simply be pulling your hand off of a hot stove to relieve the pain, okay? And I say this because we need to treat manic depression, especially people who can be impulsive. So uh, an example of someone who's impulsive is like a shopper, you know, and they spend money they don't have. That That's a key right there. There's a sign that someone has impulse problems, right? But impulse can also lead to suicide. And when I say that, sometimes people can survive suicide because they survived the impulse to commit suicide. Does that make sense? So when we're talking about mass shootings, I can see you getting a bit confused. You're talking about mass shootings. I think in some cases, it was an impulse. It was someone who was in pain and they wanted to alleviate the pain quickly. And so it was an impulse to do it. When it comes to treating that, we have to learn, we have to be able to um, first identify manic depression. And secondly, we have to give people the tools to overcome the impulse, to survive the impulse. So what I'm going to talk personally about is when I get impulses, I have my own tools that I've developed over the years of my life to survive the impulse. We have manic depression in my family. The people in my family, I don't know what their tools are either, but they're all still with me, so they have come up with their own tools to survive that impulse. They don't have depression. They have manic depression, which is very, very different. So if someone is identified as manic depressive, if we can teach them or give them the tools to survive the impulse, we can help save lives. Was that confusing? I no, that. that was very enlightening. Um, the... The part that I always come back to with mental health and giving, to your point, giving people the tools and the avenues and giving them the help they need, help right, them, right? is the, 
is the identification of that. Right. It's the group of friends or family or coworkers who weigh the, whether you say the pros and the cons, who say, okay, this is going to be really hard. This is going to be really awkward, but we need to speak up and say something about our our, our sister, the our brother, that you're seeing? the behaviors of our coworker, of our colleague. I always come back to, will the people around somebody suffering from mental health, will the people around them be, in some ways, bold enough, be forward enough to act on their instincts that something is wrong with my coworker down the hall in the office to bring this back to what happened at, at Miller yesterday. Really hard, though. Yes. Yes. But that's only one aspect of it. The other aspect is, think of um, quitting smoking. When does a person succeed at quitting smoking? When their spouse tells them to quit smoking? When the doctor tells them to quit smoking? They succeed at quitting smoking when they want to quit smoking, right? When they recognize it and they stop it. A person can save themselves. The person can um, get themselves get themselves help. Mm-hmm. And the way that we get there is all of this awareness of removing the stigma, right? So I think you might think lightly of, you know, you see people on Facebook or Instagram or on TV saying we need to get rid of the stigma of mental health so we can talk about it. No, that really is true. Because once the stigma truly is gone, people will talk about it and they will become m- more uh, apt to get help on their own. And th- so then Can people get... But here's the thing. Can people get help on their own? How many people who... How many people self-diagnose and then reach out on their own to get help for mental health. I I guess I never even consider that as an option. I always think, as I said, I always think of it as an intervention. Is the family going to say something to step up? But but I think that that has to, doesn't that have to happen more times than not? If we bring this back to yesterday, workplace violence, if if you recognize something, there's there's just something not... No, Scott, because I'm speaking from my own life perspective, my own life experiences, that if you come at me, I'm going to go further into my closet. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm going to go further into my dark place. Like quitting smoking. If you you tell me to quit smoking, I'm not going to. I need to be ready to quit myself. So I think that we could get closer to a place where people are more apt to talk about their mental health if we can continue to push away that stigma. So then what are we supposed to do? I I say we from people who who... do not suffer from some sort of mental illness at, at any... Listen. What are we supposed to do then? How Listen. are we supposed to help people who we perceive to have that? Just not say anything? Well, we- you were talking about, like, for instance, if you were one of those people that was recognizing signs in someone, right? Maybe don't stage an intervention, but maybe check in with that person more often. Maybe ask that person, hey, what's going on? Did you have a good day? You know, uh, and, and don't let up on that, right? So if, if you've got this nagging feeling that somebody is really struggling with something, text them and then text them two days later. Text them the next day. Do you know what I'm saying? So you don't necessarily need to do an overt intervention, but you can intervene in a way that will can, can, can help you help them come out of it. And when we, you know, um, I think there's a, um, there's this, like the stigma that, yeah. oh, you can just talk about your problems and they'll go away. No, t- 
talking does actually help alleviate talking about even if okay so if someone's struggling on a deep level but yet they're having problems say at work even if you talk about their problems at work you're going to help alleviate that deeper level too so you can intervene without doing an intervention hmm. and i would urge you to do that she's meg i'm scott you can get involved in the conversation 855-616-1620 it's the acunet mortgage talk and text line this is jeff wagner on wtmj With Meg McKenzie. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I know I'm not alone. I'm shaking. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, no, it's, um, yeah. that's what we're doing. And yeah. I'll go back and say, too, I'm not trying to give perspective to what happened yesterday, but mass shootings are an epidemic in this country, and there isn't one... There isn't just one reason for all of them. So Okay, let me ask you a question, and it kind of relates to the question that I asked during your your, your commentary there, uh, because it comes from the 920 texter. Um, somewhat disagrees. How does a person get help when he or she will not recognize there is a problem? Um, is it just purely, you said sometimes talking about it helps you through the problem, but it goes back to my yeah. question before. I guess I always see it as somebody has mental health problems, Somebody else or a group of other people who are friends and family have to step in and do something to help them out. You're saying that's not necessarily the case. That may not even be the most effective case. Well, what if that person says, I'm fine? That person will say she's fine. Okay. Or he will say (laughs) they will. So, okay, how are we from those around that person to act or react if if we're just getting fed the line, I'm fine, I'm fine, leave me alone, I'm fine? Yeah. Um, again, I can only come from my own personal perspective, and this might not be the case for everyone, but I would say just keep talking to that person about anything. It doesn't have to be about what they're struggling with. It doesn't have to be you saying to them, I think you're struggling. It can just be, so like when my husband and I are arguing, right? Or we're having, at some point, I won't want to talk, right? And at some point he'll go, okay. I got I can't go straight down this road. I need to take a road around. So he'll talk about other stuff and that will just kind of bring me out of my funk if that's if that makes sense. So if you, Scott, had a friend that you knew had mental health problems, you knew suffered depression, you knew maybe suffered manic depression like we were just talking about, but that person didn't want to talk about it, uh you could continue to intervene and I use quotes here by just talking about anything, just staying involved. Don't don't withdraw from that person. Just stay in, you know, tread lightly, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. You Right before we came back from break, we were talking off air. You made a very interesting analogy um, in terms of defining depression. And, and, and as I said, I, I hear depression, and shame on me, I hear depression, whether it's manic or or otherwise, and I, I hear depression, I hear, okay, they're, they're depressed, they're not getting out of bed, the blinds and the drapes are closed, they don't want to get up, they're not motivated to do anything, it's leave me alone in a dark room and let me just be depressed. But that's no, a misnomer. That's a complete misnomer. You know how there are functioning alcoholics? There are functioning, functioning suicidal people. There are functionally depressed people. They, on the surface, look completely like contributing members of society. But on a lower level, on a deeper level, they are struggling or they are suffering. So um, 
I, I don't claim to be an expert on anything, but if you were going to do the bare minimum, it's just stay connected. That's all. Let's go back to the phones. Tommy in Kenosha would like to weigh in. Hi, Tommy. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, this is actually just a little bit I want to bring up. I mean, about the, you, know, you say it's a mental issue, everything like that, but there's something that triggers something. I mean, everybody has a breaking point, whether you've been bullied your entire life from schooling up until working in a large corporation. I mean, there's constant probably harassment. So this person just decided to, they've reached their bullying point. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not sticking up for them whatsoever, but I also feel like if you look at the other side of it, these people that reach their boiling points, we don't have a way to protect ourselves in a gun-free zone. And so if you look at both sides of it, we're not able that maybe we don't have mental issues. I got depression. Yes, I do. I deal with it other ways. You know, people have their breaking points, mm -hmm. and this guy... He was probably bullied. Maybe it was some uh, racism and harassment in there. I don't know. I, I, be, be, tread lightly, Tommy. I don't want to draw any conclusions uh, on his motives. We, we don't know any of that yet. Completely understand the points you're making. You, you do reach. Thanks for the call, Tommy. As I said, in every one of these situations, whether it's this guy, whether it's Adam Lanza at, at uh, Sandy Hook, you know, the names, um, there is a breaking point, and, and that's what I kind of, you know, were saying before, is that that breaking point, when you break and that's your action, mm -hmm. indicates some degree of mental illness. That's why I think in every mm -hmm. one of these situations, because we all have breaking points, we all have Mm -hmm. Something sure. that gets to us on any number of degrees, on any number of levels, on any on any any number, you know, of severity scale. And yet there are some in the extreme cases that their breaking point is open fire. Right. So similar to what I was saying before, how we talk about coping mechanisms for depression. We say talk to someone. Here's a, the suicide hotline. We also need to um give people coping mechanisms for for impulse and we need to talk about coping mechanisms for reaching your breaking point right so if someone had the tools or the strategies if they were taught the tools or the strategies to deal with their breaking point that might help alleviate some of situations like we saw yesterday where do they learn those tools uh, though those those mechanisms how I How is somebody supposed to, you know, learn those skills? Or that I think we're making progress towards that. When I was talking earlier about removing the stigma when it comes to mental health. So we do talk more about how to deal with depression. We haven't gotten to the point yet where we're talking about coping mechanisms for the manic depression or coping mechanisms for reaching breaking points. Coping mechanisms for people who are considered um, to have anger management issues. Mm. You know, let's talk more about the tools that they need for that. Uh, talking about depression is much needed, but there are different aspects of it that we don't, we kind of blanket everything like you were saying. We think of depression as someone sitting in their home with the blinds closed under a blanket on the couch and they can't move for three days. That is only one type. A 575 texter. Where's 575? I'll have to look that up. Removing the stigma around mental health is a great idea on paper, but part of the problem is the availability of mental health professional support. 
another factor that makes that difficult is the availability of health coverage. It is untenable to assume that friends and family can provide the necessary support for people with mental health issues. Yeah, you need to you need to have the professionals at a certain level take over with their expertise to help and to heal. And yeah, if if it's the family that's maybe you know inter- intervening early, you, it 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 can't be a, a family. Come along, let's fix right, you type thing. Right. You need to let the right. professionals yeah. get involved. Well, that just points out that there are several aspects to this. It doesn't mean that we can't fix the problem. It just means that it's going to take time, and there are several branches to the tree that we have to address. She's Meg McKenzie. I'm Scott Warris. In for Jeff, here till 3 on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. Third hour. Meg McKenzie joins uh, me in studio. Um, on a rough day, on a tough day for the city and for the state. Um, obviously, for those affected by yesterday's tragedy, a lot more than... Uh, you know, those of us maybe who don't have any connection, certainly to the people involved. And that means the people being the victims, the the, the, the five dead. That means those who work there and who witness things. I, I go back to that again. The people who work. Can you ever go back there? Can you ever walk through those doors and punch your time card and do your thing at Miller, whatever it is you do there, after witnessing after hearing or after just experiencing that, would you go back? I don't know that I could. I don't know that I would want to be reminded of that day after day after day. Well, PTSD is a real thing. I think of this is a kind of a silly analogy, but when I was in college, I was um, I had a car accident. And it, well, I was getting onto a freeway. So I'm on the on-ramp to a freeway. You're merging. And I'm merging onto the freeway, and I didn't see another vehicle in my blind splat blind spot excuse me and we we struck that car thankfully ended up just slowing down and was completely fine but my car rocked back and forth several times before it finally settled thankfully on its four wheels it almost flipped it yeah right so i'm experiencing this so that was 20 ish years ago and to this day when i'm getting on a freeway what it comes to my mind Every single time. So it's a very mild example of how one traumatic experience stays with you. Mm-hmm. you that core memory, you know. So for me, I don't think I would be able to go back to my workplace if that if I was involved in something like that. And I kind of thought over the last 24 hours, how many employees do you think they might lose because of because they just can't do it? How could you? I'm reminded of a story. It had to be last year because we're a, we're what are we we're now over two years removed from from the Parkland shooting down in Florida. But I'm reminded of the story that came out last summer ish, and I believe I may get some of the details wrong here, but I believe it it is the head it it, it was the head football coach of the high school who uh, had obviously spent a year plus a season as it were plus since the shooting. But last year he retired or resigned or, and, and it kind of surprised me because I thought, well, here you've, you've just spent the last year, the hardest year you're ever going to have in that building. You endured. You, 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 you pushed through. Why would you, why would you leave two years after it happened? I mean, with time, 
there is some degree of healing, some degree. And if I remember correctly in the story, it was that he he said, every day I walk to my office, I walk past, and I forget the name, I'm sorry, of the assist. There was an assistant football coach who helped to save some kids by kind of getting in the way of the shooter, and yes. he himself was killed. But the, the head football coach says, every day I go into my office, every day since that shooting, I walk past whatever the guy's name was, Joe, I walk past Joe's office and I just can't do it anymore. So here when, you know, us removed so far, so many thousand miles away from that, think, well, clearly they're doing better because time heals, blah, blah, blah. No. 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 Here, two years later, the guy goes, I just, I can't do it anymore. And then he, he quit or he retired or something like that. Right. So to bring it home, I, I wouldn't want to. I couldn't. I wouldn't. You worked in the building in an office uh, where, where bullets are flying and you're watching somebody get shot in the head. And God, how can anybody go back to that environment? Why would you want to? Can if you're going to heal, if you're going to recover as a witness to a horrific scene that it was, why in God's name would you want to go back? Can I offer a contrary scenario, though? So we've heard from some uh, Miller employees that um, it's very family oriented there, that they, you know, that their workplace feels very much like a family now. Potentially for some people, they're going to need to lean into that family. So to, you know, to abandon that probably wouldn't be the solution for them. To walk away wouldn't be the solution for them. They would need the camaraderie, they would need the support, and they would need the love of um, what some have described as a family, a workplace family. So I think that we'll probably see a variety of uh, scenarios play themselves out. Um, and for each person, it's going to be different. For me, yeah, I don't think I could, but I don't know. I, you never know what you're capable of until you're faced with it. You really don't, right? Yeah, no, you're exactly. I'm just, I'm just thinking this through because you and I can, you and I can theorize on what we would be capable of, but we don't know until yeah, we're there. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, we talked with uh, several people um, today who have experienced traumatic experiences in their own families, who have lost loved ones to murder. I don't think that prior to that they thought they could cope with that, but they're still going to work every day. They're still raising their families. They're still, you know, finding joy in life. So. Hopefully, a lot of the Miller employees will find the path that works for them, and hopefully, for some of them, it will be staying with their workplace family. Now, off the top of my off the top of my head, I can think of of all the of all the the mass shootings. And if you want to weigh in, it was just kind of an open line Thursday show here eight five five six one six one six twenty. Although now we are taking more of a of a workplace slant to the conversation. So if you'd like to kind of weigh in on the the work can you imagine any of these workers coming back? Could you answer this question for us at eight five five six one six one six twenty? Could you see yourself knowing until you're in the situation you don't really know, could you see yourself going back to your place of work if tragedy struck like this. But I was going to say, off the top of my head, when I think back on so many of these mass shootings, schools and otherwise, in, in the last 10, 15 years, well, back to Columbine, 99. Um, to my knowledge, and maybe wrong, 
to my knowledge, I think the only building that no longer stands is Sandy Hook. They leveled that school. It does not stand anymore. But all the other schools, uh, theaters, temples, churches that have been the site of of mass shootings still stand in some way, shape, or form. So those structures are still a reminder, as we said at the top of the show, to the people who drive by, to those who work there or worship there or go to school there. Those are very much still real to, to people. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, um, they demolished the Sandy Hook Elementary School, but Columbine still stands. I, I think Parkland, that that building or that wing of the school may have been shut down, if not altogether demolished, but the school is still standing. I suppose that helps with that peeling process at some point, too, for some. When you were saying, too, Scott, that you wouldn't be able, you don't think that you would be able to go back to a place where you suffered trauma like that. You saw things that are unimaginable. These companies where these things happen in the schools, measures are put in place right, to help support the collateral damage, meaning the people that witnessed it but weren't um, victimized um, the way that the five people were yesterday. Do you think that there's anything that your workplace could do to help you? You know, what would you want from your employer going back after a horrific event like that? I would want... I would want some degree of assurance that it could never happen again to the degree that any company, any entity, any school could ever give that assurance. And you might say, well, yeah, too little too late now. But the last thing you would ever want is to be, God forbid, in that same situation again or or, or anything that even right. resembles it. So if I went back... And you can answer this question as well, 855-616-1620. What assurances could your workplace, your school, if you're a parent for your kid, what assurance would you want from them? I mean, I, you certainly would want some degree of... Would you need physical evidence of that reassurance? Like what? Give me an example. Of something. Metal detectors. Would the, would the sight of a metal detector every day walking in give you peace of mind? I don't know if it gives me peace of mind, but I think if I walk into any structure, whether it's a school, whether it's an airport, whether it's a, a a basketball arena, and you're you're going through a metal detector, you get some degree of safety. This is a safe place, knowing that. All right, if you really think about it, if somebody bad wants to get in here, there's a good chance they'll find a way. True, but th- th- there's a certain degree of safety that that you feel right when you go through a metal detector or, or logistical items that have been added to a school? For me personally, that would help me. Only my own personal perspective. The events of 9-11 were some of the most horrific events in our nation, but millions of people still get on airplanes every day. And I think that would not be the case if, you know, there were not very you know strict mm-hmm. security measures put in place, a.k.a. the screening we go through. A lot to talk about here. Could you see yourself going back to a place of tragedy? Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's your synagogue. Any number of places. Could you go back there? 
Would you go back there? What would it take? Yeah. And what would it take to make you feel safer at work than you already are? She's Meg. I'm Scott. More in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Would you or could you go back to the site of a tragedy if you work there, if you worship there, if you went to school there? I don't I don't think I could. I don't think I could. But again, only surmising what would any of us do in a situation like that until we're in the situation. Let's go to Milwaukee. Let's talk to Randy. Hi Randy. Thanks for calling. Yeah. I was going to highlight uh you know back almost 20 years ago I was in New York City, three blocks away from the trade towers, when I heard that first plane come and hit the building and went outside and saw that. And, you know, I was right in an unfortunate front row seat of, you know, one of our worst tragedies in, in this country. And, you know, your question of do you go back, you know, I think you certainly, as you highlighted, you never look at it the same. You continue to see, oh, this is where, you know, I was trying to escape and get out of, you know, lower Manhattan. And, oh, this is where I kind of hit out for a while and watched the dust cloud consume my entire apartment. And you see these things, but the worst thing you can do, in my opinion, from my experience, would be to, like, not go back there. And so part of the process of healing is, and not letting an experience rule you, is to continue to go. And so you live, you go to your restaurants, you have your coffee, you you live and you continue to be there so that that moment doesn't define you and doesn't rule you in many ways. And I think many New Yorkers, they they did that, and even many Americans. You know, we went through seeing planes being hijacked, and many Americans would go and get on a plane again because that's how you go to continue to honor what happened without letting it rule you. So I, I'll be curious to see what happens, but that's just something I wanted to share. Randy, that's a really unique perspective. I don't think I would have ever seen it that way. It's kind of like you know, you fall off the horse, you have to get back on the horse, otherwise you're always scared of the horse. So if you want normalcy in your life, you have to allow yourself to see your situation healing, like physically see it healing. Exactly. And maybe for some people, I can imagine, you know, I remember looking up at that building and seeing this shape of a, a silhouette of an airplane and smoke coming out, just being like utterly, what's going on, confused. And, and, and I'm sure some people, you know, those who were so, you know, saw people jump or other things, so even that next level of trauma, maybe for some they can't do that. But I think for many it is important to, you know, take the deep breath. I like your analogy of the horse. And you just say, okay, I'm, I'm more than just this experience. And, you know, I have colleagues here I work with. And, and look, I used to be a, you know, a head of HR. And this is the kind of situation that would always scare the daylight out of me, which would be, you know, terminating an employee. And, you know, there were certain employees where you would know somebody mm, mm-hmm. and you'd have that worry. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I won't lie and say that's not one of the reasons why, like, uh, I, I don't miss that, that line of work. Randy, you impacted lives today. I hope you know that. I think no, thank you. you did. Someone listening today who was impacted by this tragedy is going to, your words will sit on their heart for a long, long time. Thank you for calling. You're welcome. I'm glad I could share. Thank you. That's, um, yeah. I mean, th- we talk about people impacted by being around and witness witnessing tragedy mm-hmm. on a on a mass scale. Right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people watched planes hit the towers on 9-11 and 
heck, I've got the the, the memory, but I and I was here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the time. Right. And do they go back? Um, do they go back to downtown? Do you go back to the tower site? Do you get back on an airplane? Do you still think about nine eleven when you get on an airplane? You know, I don't. Yeah, me neither. I don't. I will say, though, remember the situation with Southwest, that flight not too long ago. I do think about that. You know, that's more fresh. Which case was that? The woman that was on the Southwest flight in the window. No. What? I'm gonna, okay, I don't want to get into that. Oh, that's no. too heavy. But okay. uh, talking again, though, about h- h- what he was saying, the fight or flight, mm-hmm. so that's kind of it, too. Do you want normalcy in your life? Then you have to fight for it. You can't flight. You can't run away from it. You have to fight for it. So, and I, I'm I'm a flight person. I, you know what I mean. Like when I'm faced with something, I run. So, but he made such a good point, Randy did to fight for your normalcy, fight for your life, and you know to get it back to normal. So, I think he really had an impact on people today. That was great. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Nine two zero texter. Um, you know, in, in the conversation we're having about the impact of tragedy on people, on the human brain, on the mind, reminds us about veterans who see things at, 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 in war and overseas that are very much tragic. And, um, you know, you talk about the soldiers of, of any era that come home drop their bag, go back to their work, and you PTSD, and, and you talk about the, 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 the mental health crisis that veterans face and the attention to bettering their options for mental health once they get back to the States. That's, I mean, think about that. We're, we're talking about this in light of what happened yesterday, but military families have dealt with that forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In my 20s, I lost a dear friend to depression after he returned from Iraq and his family still grapples with it today. So yes, a lot of support needs to be in place, but it's not something that can happen overnight. We need to, again, though, we've put a person on the moon. We can, you know, we can make these things happen. We can get there. It's just going to take time, effort and cooperation. (laughs) You know, you you say the moon line and I understand the points you're making, but this is harder because there are, so many yeah. emotions yes. and convictions and uh, politics. There, there's more to fixing, quote unquote, this than there is a. If I really want to boil it down, wasn't landing on the moon a, a math problem, a science and a math problem? Didn't some women <laughs> solve that math problem? Uh, did you see that movie? No. She died. She passed away the other day. Yeah, hundred and one was a hundred one or one hundred two or so. I thought one hundred one. She Phenomenal. was the um, the lady whose name I'm not forgetting, but uh, she was played by uh, what's her name? I'm just forgetting all the names in the the movie. This is dress rehearsal right now. Is, we'll be back with the real show just in just a moment. I think today's show meeting is going great. Scott Warris, Meg McKenzie. We come back. Let's dive a little deeper into what what employers, what companies can do to try and prevent this as much as they can, and specifically to the. What would you call the, the, the training of employees, the, the mass shooting drills, as it Active were? Active shooter drills, Active typically what they're called. Shooter drills. Let's get into that, because it's something that I'm willing to bet that, especially here in this city and in this state, if you're not dealing with it or if your boss or employer has not implemented some sort of a plan, 
uh, up until now, I guarantee you they're thinking about it after what happened yesterday. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So what can, what should, what responsibility do workplaces have to protect their employees? I think we'd all agree that they have the responsibility to do that as best they can. But are they? Are they? And I I bet they're thinking about it now after what happened yesterday. Well, schools do it. I mean, my kid's high Mm -hmm. school has active shooter drills. I can't remember how many times per year, but they do do it. Um, One thing I ask, I have a 20-year-old son who has a a job at a manufacturing company in Waukesha County, and I asked him, I said, have you gone through training? And I was actually sad and surprised to hear that he had not. Um, But uh, I worked for Milwaukee County at the airport. Alice, do you know what Alice is? I don't. It's an acronym, clearly. It's an acronym. I don't know what it stands for. It's specifically how you respond to an active shooting situation. You've never heard of Alice training. Alert, I've heard of Alice Chalmers. Alert. Hello. No. Lockdown. Inform. Counter. Wait, evacuate. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. All right. <laughs> Take me through. Well, okay. you would need to go through the training because it's it's in in depth. Give it again. Give it again. Alert. Mm-hmm. So um, this is when you first become aware of the threat. So that's the first stage of an active shooter mm-hmm. situation. Lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not safe to evacuate, then they'll put the facility on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's what schools do. That's what Miller did um, when the, when this was the case. Uh, inform, then, is obviously to inform law enforcement, to inform security, that sort of stuff. Actor, this is kind of a last result. Um, so if you were going to counter an attacker, uh, and then evacuate. So once, let's say you are on lockdown once it is safe um, for you to get out. So when I asked Lance, you know, do you, have you gone through training? Do you know Alice? So like any mom would, I went through it this morning with them before he went to work. So, but I think to your point, companies that, you know, think this can't happen here are now saying, I think we need to do some training. We need to have a system in place. I, um, I don't know what we do here. Now that just maybe my ignorance, and maybe I missed because I part time here. I'm not here every day. Maybe there was a training that I missed. That surprises me. You're a media company. I don't. Well, no, I, no, I'm not. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not saying that there hasn't been something here. I just oh. I'm, I'm speaking to myself You're personally, Scott Warris. I don't. I don't know what to do. Do we know? I, I don't. I mean, I know that there, there's a map on the back of the door here. A fire. You That's know, exit. A fire. It's much I different. I'm aware. I know how to get out quickly, but. I don't know. I'm willing to bet there's right, more so that you, don't know. Than if you me. don't feel like you've got the training, what would you do, Scott? See, that's frightening. Well, no, you I'm need just, to have the tools in place. Well, here's the thing. You know what's frightening is that I pause. It should be, you know, a week. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's frightening that you're not giving me a response right so like, away. I would do this, then this, then this, then that. Right. Um, in, this in this studio. In this day and age, you have to have a plan. In this studio. And Kyle and I, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about um, active shooter drills in schools and whether they should be alerted to it ahead of time or whether the spontaneity of it gets the message across more than anything. But we were, you know, we were surmising, all right, let's bring it close to home. For those of you listening right now, if you're maybe streaming us at the office or, or wherever you are, um, if something happened, look around you right now. Where would you go? What would you do? Do you know your plan of action? Um, I, I mean... And if your company doesn't have training in place, maybe talk. Ask. Talk, yeah. Ask for it. Hmm. Right. We have to get rid of that 
mentality that it can't happen to me. You know, you have to. And it has to be be immediate. It has to be, this is happening. You go into... You, you go into action mode, a muscle memory, as it were, and that comes with training, and that's why the That the is in the Alice training. Yes. Drills are so yeah. very important. No, I really, and shame on me. Um, I don't know. Do you know, Kyle, what we're doing here if something goes, if something happens? Kyle? I mean, I know what I'm doing. Uh, if you're asking me if there's a plan in place. Bar- well, try to barricade the door. I mean, I, what, it's no. A, it's a glass door. Yeah, and get under the table. I, get under I suppose, but then I'm in the same place where, like, I'm in, I'm in a corner. There's only one exit to this room, so if if whatever's coming in mm-hmm. is is getting out, and I'm not getting out, you know what I mean? Hmm. So I mean, it, I mean, it, it's I, I can describe how where I'm going right, to go right, or whatever. Right. Well, your, sur- oh, your your survival instincts will kick in yeah. too, right? For yeah, sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's in 2020. We have to. You have to have a plan in place, and you have to know what you're going to do. Yeah, I, I have an individual plan. I don't think we have a collective plan. Hmm. Who's, your, who's your director of HR? <laughs> get get HR on yeah. the line.